Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Let's get into God's Word together. And uh, I'd like to continue the series that you're doing here at Lighthouse at the moment, um, which is? Cutting edge. cutting edge. Okay, so we're going to be looking at, uh, at, at being a part of the cutting edge. And God indeed wants to use each one of us to make a difference in the world around us. Church is a place where we come to be encouraged and equipped to go into the world around us and make a difference. Wasn't it great to hear a testimony of, uh, of people going from South Africa, uh, despite the challenges they're facing, to go and be an encouragement to somebody else? And, uh, and it is always encouraging when we go to encourage somebody else when we perhaps are facing challenges ourselves. I think we should, when we come to church, we should come to church to, to encourage one another and to be equipped so that we can go out and be the church 24-7. God has called us to go into the world and make a difference around us. Now we're going to look at two verses today that we're going to put on the screen. And the first is Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And in Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus says to his disciples, his followers, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be witnesses for me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This morning I'd like to talk about being a witness for Jesus. We see the word you used three times in this verse. You will receive power when? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Why? So that you can be my witnesses. So that you can be a witness for Christ. And He wants to use us under the power and in the power of His Spirit to be a witness. And He continues, He says, not in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then the ends of the earth. Not something that's progressive, but something that's continual. And I want to perhaps put that in a slightly different context for us today. That He wants to empower us by the Holy Spirit so that we can be a witness in church, in our families, in our neighborhood, in our place of work, in our school, in our college, wherever we are, He wants to use us to be a witness for Him. Now the word witness means someone who gives evidence based on what they have seen, heard, or experienced. In a court of law, a witness would need to tell their story of the events that have taken place. If there's a, a motor vehicle accident, you would ask somebody to stand up and say, what took place? A policeman might take a statement and he says, what did you see? What did you hear? What did you experience? And often we think what we have heard or seen or experienced perhaps is not radical enough or exciting enough to make an impact in somebody else's life. But I would say I disagree with you. One of the most powerful things that you could share is your story in your way. Can you imagine seeing a motor vehicle accident and, um, and the police come up and say, could you please uh, give a witness statement? And you say, you don't need me to tell me you, you my story. You don't need me to tell you what I saw. You should, you should ask my friend Joe down the road who saw this incredible accident. You need to hear his story. But I want to tell you today that your story makes an impact because people can relate to your story. 
One of the most powerful things that we can share with other people is our testimony, how Jesus has impacted our lives. My testimony is very simple. I became a Christian when I was 15 years old, just a few years ago. And, uh, and uh, I basically was aware that there was something missing in my life. There was an empty space. Billy Graham said, within every man is a God-shaped vacuum. And we try and fill that with all sorts of things. But nothing brings lasting satisfaction and fulfillment apart from a living relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. I was invited to a drama presentation on the life of Jesus in Zimbabwe in 1980. And, uh, and I saw young people who had a love for one another. And I realized what they had is what I needed. It was the first time I ever heard the gospel. I saw people living in a certain way with the love of God. I heard the gospel for the first time. I saw people wh whose life had been transformed by Jesus Christ. And as a result, I surrendered my life to Jesus. And he made a difference in my life, a huge difference. He's given me peace on the inside, that no matter what's going on on the outside, I know that I'm in his hands. He's given me joy. It doesn't matter how much life circumstances try and push me down, he has caused joy to be that gyro in my life. And he's given me purpose. Ever since 15 years old, I've known that I'm here on earth to serve his purpose. Now, many of us can relate to that same story. But your story is the most powerful thing that you could share with somebody else. The second verse we're going to look at is in Romans chapter 15 and verse 19. And we're going to read it in the Living Bible Version. Now, there's different versions of the Bible in English. And, uh, and it's, uh, we often will get different perspectives on what a verse is saying if we read it in a different version. And today, looking at the Living Bible, which might be different to how it reads in your Bible, let's read it together. He says, this is Paul speaking, I have won them by my message, and by the good way I have lived before them, and by the miracles done through me as signs from God, all by the Holy Spirit's power. In this way, I have preached the full gospel of Christ. Now, Jesus wants us to be empowered by His Holy Spirit, to be witnesses for Him, and to preach the full gospel of Christ. And today, we're going to be looking at what is involved in preaching the full gospel under the power of the Holy Spirit. And really, it's three things with our words, by our actions, and in God's power. Now let's look at each of these individually today. In Romans 15 verse 19 he says, I have won them by my message. You know, we have a message to share. In Mark chapter 16, the Great Commission, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news. In Mark 16, verse 20, it says, The Lord worked with them and confirmed His word with the signs that accompanied it. He took His mission and He's made it a commission. And that commission is not just to the ends of the earth, but also in our Jerusalem. Wherever God has placed us, He wants us to go with 
the message, the good news. It's important for people to hear the gospel. If they don't hear the gospel, they cannot respond to it. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13 to verse 15, it says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how will they hear without someone preaching? Now that word preaching doesn't mean you have to be behind a, a podium and to give a sermon, but it's to communicate, to communicate the message. How can they hear unless someone preaches? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And indeed, Jesus has commissioned each one of us to take this gospel and to make it known in our life world. There are people that you meet that I will never meet. And there's people that I meet that you will never meet. And if we, as his people, will go and just share the gospel, the good news, you'll be amazed at how that will fill this island and indeed through social media and, and, and video and text messages, we can make a difference in the whole world. We really can. I heard about a lady who was a missionary in some part of the world and she went back to Australia, her, her nation. And uh, when she got back, she felt she had nothing more to contribute. And uh, God gave her a strategy, and the strategy was to start phoning people. And she just went through the phone book and phoned people and said, this is who I am, can I offer to pray for you? Can I offer to, to, to support you in some way? Now, possibly the same statistics worked as we see in the parable of the sower. As she sowed her seed, some of it fell on stony ground. But some of it, 25% or so, fell on good soil. And people responded and said, yes, I'd like prayer. Or how did you know? And it's amazing when we just step out and we share good news with people, it makes an incredible difference. She was trying to make a difference with the resources, the time, and the opportunities available to her. And you and I can make a difference where we are. I love the way the Bible says, the goodness of God leads men to repentance. Our job is not to convict people of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is to share the gospel, and He works on people's hearts. We get the good part, okay? All right? If we just go and start telling other people the good news, God wants to use each of us. Now, it's, it's interesting. The first Gentile believer was a man called Cornelius. Now, I'm not as good a storyteller as Greg is. I love the way listening to the first part of, or the second part of this series, where his first was SHARE, he spoke on SHARE, an acronym of SHARE, and then the second part, he, uh, he spoke about Priscilla and Aquila. And as he tells these stories, like the Stories Project on the Leading Lights website, he unpacks these stories. But let me try and, uh, and, and get as good as he is, okay? So, uh, so Cornelius was, the Bible says, a devout man, a generous man who prayed, and, uh, and gave alms to the poor. He gave gifts to the poor. He was a, a centurion, a military leader. And, um, and because he was such a good person, 
His prayers, the Bible says, went up as a memorial before God. And his giving went up as a memorial before God. And God chose to send Peter to him. In fact, at first, God sent an angel. And the angel said to Cornelius, send men to Joppa to get Peter, who's going to come and tell you words by which you must be saved. And they went and they fetched Peter. And as Peter came, he shared the gospel with them. And the first Gentile believers were saved. Now, a couple of things you need to think about from the story. Very simply, number one, Cornelius was a good man. He was a man who was uh, a man of character, a generous man, a devout man, a man who prayed, but he was not saved. He hadn't come to a place where he knew Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And God chose to send an angel, and the angel comes and says, go and find Peter. Why didn't he use the angel to share the message? Because God's plan is to use you and I. Okay? Alright? Now sometimes he does use angels, but that's the exception and not the rule. We are the ones that God wants to use. And he comes along, Peter comes along, and he shares a message with them. He needed to hear the message. And in our society, there are good people. So often we think the only people who need Jesus are people who are kind of, you know, uh, in the gutter or the down and outs or those who've, who've really made some, some poor life choices. But every single person needs Jesus. Good people need Jesus too. Now my dad is a good man. My dad uh, is a successful man and a generous man. And, uh, and he didn't really see a need for God in his life. But we prayed for him for 34 years for his salvation. One day, in the last two years or so, uh, a gentleman by the name of Herod Swanepoel in South Africa, a pastor, went and had a cup of coffee with my dad and, uh, and led my dad to the Lord. Now, that was the touchdown. That he scored the try. Are, are you with me today? But behind the scoring of the try were all the moves. There was the scrum of praying for him. There was passing the ball. There was, there was one, the Bible says one sows, another waters, but it's God who gives the increase. And we might not make the touchdown, but as we go out and we share the gospel and the good news, and we make a difference in people's lives, we are bringing the ball closer and closer to the try line. And what we need to do is play our part. Now I'm thankful for Kerod. I really am. He's a friend of mine now. Now lives in Cape Town and, uh, and a great guy. And uh, I have some contact with him if he's watching this. Good on you, mate. But uh, it's fantastic what God will do. But we have to understand behind every person, behind every salvation, there's a whole story of people who've made a difference in their lives. And I'm trying to encourage us today. Let's play our part. You might not see all the results, but you know what? God will use every seed that's sown to make a difference. Heard a story about a man who uh, felt called by God to hand out tracts at a port. And sailors would come through the port and he'd hand out tracts week after week, hand out tracts to these guys. And, uh, and he got very discouraged and he decided to go to a conference. He went to a particular conference 
and, uh, and a, a famous speaker was standing up speaking at the conference. And this man started to share his testimony of how he was a sailor and he traveled through a port and his life was a mess and someone gave him a tract, got on the ship. And as a result of reading the tract, he gave his life to Jesus. The message got through to him. This man was totally unaware. And he said, I would love to meet the man and to thank him. And as he spoke, he walked around. All of a sudden, through the corner of his eye, he saw the man who handed the tract out to him. And he said, sir, would you please stand up? This is the man who handed out the tract. Now, we might not find that somebody acknowledges us here, but one day in heaven, when the records are set straight, okay, we will be amazed at how our little acts of obedience have been used for God's eternal purposes. Huh? The second way that God wants us to be a witness is by our actions. In Romans chapter 15 verse 19, he says, By the good way I have lived before them. Now I talked about my dad who came to the Lord, praying for other members of my family who have not yet come to the Lord. But I've learned this, the way to reach an unsaved family member or someone that you are close to is to make a stand for Christ and then live the life and pray for them. Live the life and pray for them. Let your light shine. Be salt and light. St. Francis of Assisi apparently said, Preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. You know, we need to walk the talk. Our lives should reflect a life transformed by Jesus. Which doesn't mean we don't make mistakes, but when we make mistakes, let's take responsibility for them. You know, let's say, hey, please forgive me. That speaks louder than words. Let's walk the talk. Let's preach what we practice. Our actions speak louder than words. In Matthew chapter 5, the Bible says that we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world and we must let our light shine. And then he continues in verse 15. Jesus says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Now we all know we're not saved by our good works. Good works are not what bring us to salvation. But good works, the Bible teaches us, are a result of salvation in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9 the Bible says that uh, it's by grace that we've been saved through faith it's not of ourselves it's the gift of God and none of us can boast and then he continues in verse 10 he says for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do you know that handiwork is different to a knockoff or something that's that's mass-produced something that's just just churned out it's something that's unique a unique piece of art one of the most creative people I know is James Matheson have you seen some of the paintings incredible I mean he painted a picture of a Jersey cow and it's I felt if I touched its nose I would have some of that cow snot on my nose <laughs> Uh, you can edit that out if you want, you know. But, uh, you know, it, it looks so real. It's incredible. Absolutely fantastic. 
very creative. You know, each one of those paintings is unique. Now, I know you could do a print of them, but they wouldn't be the original. I want to tell you that you are an original. You are God's handiwork. He's made you unique for a unique purpose. And as we begin to serve Him, it's amazing how our lives can make a difference. Last time I was here, Rowani and, and Paul were expecting. I believe the baby was born on the right day, in the fullness of time, and I met the little guy, Reese, eh? Met him today, came up and said hello. Smiled away, laughing over there, I believe he's trying to talk. You know, in that little person, there's a, he, he is called to serve God's purpose in his generation, like every single one of us. God wants to use us to make a difference. He has good works in advance for us to do. Let's wake up every day and say, Lord, what are the divine appointments that you have for me today? What have you prepared in advance for me to do? I'll share just a simple story. Um, we host a Christmas lunch. And uh, last year we had 70 people who would otherwise be on their own on Christmas Day. Jill and I don't go to it ourselves. We've been to just one over the seven years. One of our leaders hosts a Christmas lunch. He's got the skills to do it, and he's using his skills as a chef to make a difference. It's what God called him to do. And um, I went into the bank, and, uh, and I took a lot of flyers, the invitations to the Christmas lunch, and I, I said to the bank, a person working in the bank, who came up to the queue, uh, one of the staff, I said, when people come into the bank that you think would benefit from this, perhaps people who are facing financial difficulty or people who you think might be on their own on Christmas Day, please invite them to the Christmas lunch. And, uh, and she gladly took them. And then she said, we've got something here that we were given we would like to contribute. So they brought out this big basket full of uh, sweets and chocolates and all sorts of cheese and stuff and said, could you take this and take it to the Christmas lunch? Which I gladly did. I came back a few weeks later and she was also serving she was serving the queue again so I had my phone and I said to her could I show you on my phone some of the photographs of the Christmas lunch and I showed her the photographs and she started to say I wish I could do something like that and then she started to talk about her personal challenges she said I've just been made redundant I've worked at the bank here for 30 years or whatever and uh, I'm not quite sure what I'm gonna do with my life next She's not a Christian. And at every point, I had to step out in faith. I had to step out of the boat a little bit. First of all, saying, would you hand out these flyers? You know, no, we don't do that. It's not our bank policy. No, she was glad to help. Then, uh, then we started to talk about, about what happened and share the testimony of what happened. And then I was able to say to her, how do you feel about that? And she burst into tears right there. You know? Everybody else looked at me and thought, what a horrible man. He must have been rude to that lady in the bank. But all I did is I said, could I pray for you? And, uh, and, and we simply prayed. And I said, you know, the Bible says watch and pray. So we're not going to close our eyes. We're just going to talk as if we're talking to one another. And it's just say, pray a simple prayer. And I prayed for her. Now, she hasn't come to church yet, but she's on a journey. She's on a journey, you know? Huh? When I see her next, we can just pick up the conversation. How are you enjoying life at the moment? You know, do you have spare time? Could you come and help us with one of our projects? We're finding ways for people to be able to come along the journey with us. But I told you that story because for, for me, that good story illustrates how, how something 
that someone is doing, using their gifts, talents, and abilities to serve God, is opening up opportunities for people to see the light and to give glory to God. You know, sometimes we, we have words that we think um, are, are mystical, like the word ministry. What is my ministry? And we're expecting some message from God. You know, a, a, a chicken to crow three times at three o'clock in the morning or something with a message. But you know, your ministry is simply using the gifts, talents, and abilities God has entrusted to you for Him by serving other people. Just making a difference. Doing whatever you can. Being a part of God's team. Serving His purpose in our generation. Finally, He wants us to be a witness in power. Now let me just say this once more. Preaching the full gospel is not just speaking a message, but living a life that is in contrast to that message. It's not just living the life, but being silent. It's also sharing the reason for the hope that lies within you. We need both, but we also need the third one. And it's almost like the three uh, legs on a milk stool. You need all three for it to stand. And the third is in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as it says in Romans 15 verse 19, I have won them by my message, by the good way I have lived before them, and by the miracles done through me as signs from God, all by the Holy Spirit's power. In this way I have preached the full gospel of Christ. And you know, we don't have a message that comes without power. We have a message that involves power. The most powerful message. But we have a God who loves to confirm His Word with signs and wonders. And they don't have to be weird and spooky. Sometimes it's just God intervening in the ordinary course of nature, because that's what a miracle is. And we live in a world where people have no idea that God loves them and wants to minister to them. Let me read one verse, and then I'll tell you two stories, and then we'll wrap up. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 4 and 5. Paul says, when he came to the Corinthians, my speech and my message were not with plausible words of wisdom, but in a demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You know, sometimes we might find it difficult to convince somebody about Jesus. But when they encounter Him, when He intervenes in their lives and makes a difference, they cannot deny that He is alive. Two stories. The first is, recently in one of our groups, uh, toddlers groups, um, one of the little children got very poorly and had to be rushed to hospital. And we had an elders meeting in a pub, and um, we're having lunch together. And one of our elders saw this lady across and went and said hello, uh, or a family across. And they said, they said, this child, I don't remember her name, has been taken to hospital. And so he said, we'd love to pray for her. And we're going to go back to our table, and we're going to join hands, and we're just going to simply pray for this little girl. Well, what happened is that very hour, like the Bible says, that very moment, she came out of a critical condition in hospital and started to improve and went home that same day. Quite amazing, really. These are not Christians, eh? 
These are people who are far from God. And, uh, and so we only found that out the next time they, somebody came along to, the, to the, the event. He asked, what's up? What's happening? He said, well, actually, after you prayed, something happened. And uh, I went along to collect some stuff. I went into our building. And uh, Jim, this guy, said to me, come along and meet this girl. This is the one that we prayed for. And there was the mom and the little girl. And the mom looked very uncomfortable. You know what she did? She stood there very uncomfortable in the sense that she just felt like the spotlight was on her. Because now she was without excuse. And she said to her little daughter, it's magic, isn't it? And that was the only way she could, she could, that was the only word she could come up with it. And I said to, you know, what did I say? I said, no, the Bible doesn't say magic. Come out, the, no, I didn't say that. You know, I, I realized that actually that's her concept. So I said to her, it's kind of like magic, but we call it a miracle. And it's God wanting to show you that he loves you. He loves you. Uh, sure, a few years ago, it was about three years ago, we, um, I came to church the one Sunday and there was a new couple, a new mom and daughter sitting at the back of the hall. And I, I went up before the service, I said, hello, welcome to the service, my name's Rob. They looked up at me and this is what they said. They said, we hate God. I was God, kind of shocked, it's not the sort of thing you expect in church. We hate God. Now the service was just about to start and, and we start I always start the service in press I ran up to so I, just about to run up and the only thing I could think of saying is well he doesn't hate you he loves you you know and I went up to the front uh, we, we went for it had the service they responded at the end of the service for prayer and the reason they responded is because they were desperate the, the daughter had these growths down her throat and she was under the care of Great Ormond Street Hospital. They weren't sure what, what was involved. She was quite thin, and she had these, these growths all the way down her throat. Big sort of uh, pussy growths in her throat. And over a period of time, it's not always instant, but over a period of time, they came along to a, a meeting, and a friend of ours was ministering at this meeting. At the end of the meeting, he was tired. He had just flown over from America, and he wanted to rest, so he sat down, and they hadn't prayed for the daughter. They prayed for other people for healing. And the mom came up to the front and said to him, please, would you pray for my daughter? And at first, he was tired, grumpy. It's amazing how God will use us even when we're tired and grumpy. You know why? Because he loves people so much. And I really feel led by the Holy Spirit to say this. God loves us so much that he doesn't want to leave us as we are. <laughs> You know, sometimes we think if God loves me and, and, and we love people, we should just leave them as they are. No, he wants to take us out of our self-destructive behavior because he loves us. He's inviting us to something more, to freedom. He's inviting us to love. He's inviting us to joy. He's inviting us to, to an adventure. He doesn't want us just to stay as we are. And uh, so, so this guy was grumpy. He was tired, jet-lagged, and everything else. Said, you know what he did? He said, oh, sure, I'll pray for her. And he said, he just simply put his hand on her head and said, in the name of Jesus, please heal this girl. And he went off to bed. The next morning, when she got up, the growths had disappeared. And for the first time 
in years she was eating a full English breakfast. Isn't that amazing? God intervened in something. Huh? Now the result of that, well let's give the Lord a hand. Should we do that? Eh? Oh, awesome. Thank you Jesus. So, the result was the whole family, the whole family gave their lives to Jesus. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Now they got baptized recently, these two. Eh? And um, uh, just awesome, you know. Now I know that sometimes we want people to move faster through the steps of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ and stuff like that. And, uh, but, and sometimes it takes a little bit longer. But God is infinitely patient. And, and He doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants all to come to repentance. He wants everybody to encounter Him. And He's given us this awesome privilege of going out and sharing the good news with others. He loves us so much. He really does. He doesn't want us to leave us as we are. He really doesn't. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.